Hey guys, welcome back to Just the Good Stuff. This is your host, Rachel Mansfield. Today's guest is one of the OG food bloggers and entrepreneurs in this space, Catherine McCord of Weelicious. Catherine is one of those people whose energy is so truly contagious. She is a complete powerhouse of a human with raising her three adorable kids, running her food blog, Weelicious, and she is the founder of One Potato, a family meal delivery service that we chat more about later in the episode. And she is the author of three cookbooks. How insane is that? In this episode, we chat about how Catherine got to where she is today. She started off her career modeling, acting, then eventually went back to school for culinary school to pursue her true love of food. She has worked with huge brands in modeling like Calvin Klein, who spotted her on the sidewalk and casted her, which is one of the cool stories, and Victoria's Secret. And she has been working since the age of 15. She's lived in Paris and Japan. And she has such a crazy past life. It was so cool to hear more about it in this episode. Catherine fills us in with so many tips on feeding your family and the importance of having dinner together and all eating together, how smoothies changed her family's life, feeding three children with all different preferences and dietary needs. Her son is a vegetarian by choice from a very young age. And he obviously doesn't eat meat. She has two other kids who do eat meat. And she's not the mom making like 10 different meals, which is definitely something that I aspire to be when we have more kids down the road. We can all learn so, so much from Catherine, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode as much as I loved getting to chat with her. Don't forget to follow Catherine over at Weelicious, and you'll see like tons of beautiful, crazy produce photos and like fun-looking kid food, and just makes me even more excited for when Ezra is a little bit older and I can do some like fun kitchen things with him. And she actually told me that her daughter like helps shoot some of her Instagram lives, which I think is the cutest thing in the entire world. If you do enjoy this episode, I would love, love if you could rate and review it over on iTunes and screenshot you listening and tag me over on Instagram. Your support truly means the world to me. And I am so excited to share some even more amazing episodes in the next few weeks. So definitely stay tuned for those. Before we dive into today's episode, I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Chomps. You guys know that Chomps are one of my absolute favorite favorite snacks to grab pretty much on a daily basis. My friends always joke that I have them in my bag and in Ezra's stroller at all times, but I am so totally obsessed. In case you aren't familiar with Chomps, they make the best meat sticks in the entire world. I first found them over in a Trader Joe's a couple years ago, and I have been hooked ever since. They have grass-fed and finished beef sticks, venison, free-range turkey sticks. The sea salt beef one is my personal favorite and my mom loves the turkey ones. She actually always dips them in like spicy mustard and Dijon mustard and it is so flipping good. I absolutely love it. So thanks mom for the pro tip on that. All of Chomps products are also Whole30, paleo-friendly, keto-friendly, non-GMO. They have no added added nitrates, MSG, or artificial anything. And they're free from all major, eight major allergens. They have no added sugars, which a lot of the times like dried meats and jerkies and meat sticks, they have like added sugars in it, which is just so unnecessary. Their Italian beef and sea salt beef ones are also AIP friendly, which is really cool. And they also make these cute little chomplings, they're called, that they launched this year that Ezra 
absolutely adores. Chomps is such an easy way to sneak extra protein into your diet without any added sugars. And I link to Chomps over in my show notes. And we are, of course, hooking you guys up with a 15% off discount when you order off of their site. So use the code RACHEL. I'm sure you guys have caught on at this point that all of my codes are RACHEL. And I hope you guys absolutely love them. They are truly, truly a family favorite over here. Thank you so much for taking time during this moments at home to hit chat with me. I'm so excited to talk to you because you, my friend, are like cat. You've had like 15 lives. Like you have a whole <laughs> past before we licious. And I, you know, you were also one of the original quote, food bloggers and people in this space. Like I remember when I was starting and you were like you've had your blog for how many years now? Almost 13. How did you know? 12 and a half. Three. Oh my gosh, was like going to be something. But I didn't. It was like my service to the world. It was my, my third career. And I basically just like did it because I loved, I felt very trapped at home as a new mom. There was no like outlet, you know, it's not, not like communities like we used to have, like our sisters and our mamas and everyone around us. So it just became this place where I could like connect with other moms and share recipes and advice and, you know, grow a community around food. And now you've grown some community, let me tell you. So sure. let's backtrack a little bit. So. I always like to have guests introduce themselves because otherwise I'm reading such like a script and like something you've said. And I'm like, I just love when the guest says like, Hey, like I'm Catherine and explain who you are and what you do. Yeah. You ready? So I'm Catherine McCord. I'm the founder of Weelicious. Uh, Weelicious is fast, fresh, and easy recipes for the entire family. Um, things that are easy for parents to cook, but that kids more really want to eat. Uh, I also co-founded a company called One Potato, which is an organic family-friendly meal delivery company uh, in eight states out West and soon to be national. That's amazing. Okay. I was, so I was wondering why I'd never seen the boxes and stuff like around Hoboken. <laughs> meal delivery services here are a hit and moms, especially it's such like a mommy community that I was wondering that when I was like doing my scoop yeah. on you before. Yeah. I'd love for you to share kind of, you had a very unconventional like pathway to where you are today. And I'd love for you to explain your career in modeling a little bit as, from a young age and how you got involved in that. And just take us back to like the teenage Catherine. Uh, so I started modeling by accident when I was 13. I had, um, I was going to be an athlete scholarships for um, basketball and track. It was like my trajectory. And um, they found out I had cysts in my hips. So a friend kind of as a joke signed me up for a modeling contest because I was already 5'11 when I was 12 years old. And um, I won the first contest and the second. These are like little, you know, sort of like a Macy's kind of like model of the year. And then I walked into a John Casablanca center, like elite John Casablanca's. And they were like, we're signing you up for the look of the year, which is televised on ABC. So when I was 13, I went to spend a month in Japan for this contest. Um, didn't win, got best personality, but that was it. And then I ended up modeling, living in New York when I was 14, in the summer, Paris when I was 15, and so on and so forth. And I really like hit my big moment. Um, I was in Miami when I was 17, and um, Pat Patrick Demarchier and Calvin Klein saw me walking down the street, sounds like very Be romantic, and scooped me up. What's that? Me, Calvin Klein, saw you on the Be street. Calvin Klein, yeah, yeah, yeah. So... It was a, like, so I ended up doing their, his campaign and um, then, you know, covered Glamour and Elle and 
And I ended up modeling for many years and traveling around the world. And I was doing Victoria's Secret and they were looking for correspondents. So it was like the first run with the first few runway shows. And I ended up getting um, a job like on extra and uh, inter- like entertainment tonight, like just hosting. And I really fell in love with, you know, the idea of how much fun it was like hosting shows. And I went on to host a show on ABC called The Big Moment and then Love Line on MTV with Adam Kroll and Dr. Drew. So that was sort of how it like unraveled. And how many years ago was that? I mean, yeah, I mean, it's like oh, 20 years ago now. I, it was all like, I was very young. So, you know, I was like 20 years old. When, Guys, yeah. when you were like 14 and 15, like, did your parents travel with you to all these places and live with you? Or did you have siblings that had to come too? Like, how did that work? <laughs> um, I didn't. I, I mean, I convinced my parents, I think at a very young age that I was like totally with it and together. And so I traveled by myself. I mean, I would take a, a map of New York City and back then there was no cell phones. And you know what I mean? You had like your modeling agent and they'd hand you a map of New York City and they'd be like, go to 58th Street, like 358th Street. Well, I would go to East and I was supposed to be on West. So, I mean, I had to learn a lot by myself at a very young age living in know, in a model's apartment with eight girls and me, and I was the youngest. So I will say that like when I was around 18, like I totally had um, like a breakdown. And my at that point, my mother had to start traveling with me just because I think that at that point, my career was I was traveling to Paris and London. And I mean, like every two days and it just, it became a lot. So when did you know that it was time to like hit pause or stop on like modeling and TV hosting and like where did food come out of this I feel like I don't want to sound stereotypical but I almost feel like food is like the uh, a complete 180 image. by the way totally fair fair thought process and judgment I mean it is sort of like where, where do they come from so my grandparents I'm from Louisville Kentucky and my grandparents um were always into farming and growing their own food and like I would just sit with my grandfather and like shell peas and freeze blueberries I was always fascinated with fresh food and my parents very much praised me like I was the kid that like ate mushrooms and like would try absolutely anything and I just like I loved that I was an exchange student living in Mexico when I was 12 And I really just became super fascinated, especially with all the traveling, like why in all these countries around the world, families were eating together, kids were eating spicy food and flavors. And in the United States, it was like chicken nuggets and macaroni and cheese. And like, why in the United States do we dumb down food so much? So I I became friends with a lot of chefs when I was, you know, modeling and hosting. And I, I just always wanted to go to culinary school. I was living in New York City, blocks from the World Trade Center. And on 9-11, I was supposed to go see the Institute of Culinary Education. Obviously, we know, you know, what happened. And that was it for me. During 9 sorry to cut you, during 9-11. Yeah. So I was, and we were blocks from the Trade Center. So we were stuck in our apartment for days. I mean, tanks. It was as horrible as, I mean, it was the things that we saw and experienced and the anxiety. And I just, at that moment, and it's very interesting now with COVID, I, they're so similar, like in, you know, they're over 20 years apart, but 
that sort of like, I feel like this time in our lives is also so similar because for me, I was like, this is it. Life's too short. What am I doing with my life? I don't want to be like modeling and hosting. It wasn't giving me the joy that I wanted. And I literally, that next year and a half, I worked during the day and I went to culinary school every night and I'd get out at 1130 at night. And it's like the happiest I ever was in my entire life. And I realized like, you know, this is what I want to do. You are one of the only people that have gone to culinary school that like have a food, like no one has credentials usually. Like you have like actual <laughs> credentials to be doing what you're doing. Um, but it was fun. Yeah, because I, and I'll just to say to that, like a lot of my friends that were chefs were like, just get a restaurant job. Like, why are you going to go to culinary school and spend X amount of money? But for me, like, I wanted to know the history. I wanted to know technique. I mean, I was like, you know, I think that that's the difference between getting a line cook job and really a formal education. When you're in culinary school, do you go and work at a restaurant? Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this here, but like, I totally got my ass kicked. I mean, it was, yeah, it was very misogynistic. I mean, this is way pre me too. I would easily be the only girl, maybe another female sometimes, but I worked in a bunch of restaurants around New York City. And then I came out to LA um, and was staging at a bunch of you know places here. And then I got pregnant and I had my son, Kenya, and I realized like I could cook, you know, a, a four-star meal and I had no idea what to feed like this little baby. So what is that when your food vlog started? Is that when you started to like make more kid family-centric recipes? Yeah. So it really, it was just the story. I had a friend that, you know, knew how to help me get a URL. And we sat there for eight hours one day, like trying to think of different names. And I just, you know, I had this like little, you know, camera and I took all the pictures, which now I look back and I'm like, oh my God, I can't even imagine. You have like the original pictures on recipe? Of course. I've had to like go back through Weelicious for the past few years and like re-photograph. And believe me, if you, if you really dig, there's still a few there that you're like, oh, that's questionable. <laughs> but it's, you know, I've had the, I've had it for years and posted every single week. So there's just like endless layers of content. And that's also when social media wasn't there. Cause I almost think that now it's so different where you have social, like an Instagram account and then the blog comes later. Like that's personally, that's what I did when I had started. So how did you get the word out about your site when you, when you had first started? Well, it was different. It was like, there was Facebook. So I did have Facebook and I was super active and then there were chat rooms. So there were like all kinds of, <laughs> I feel like I'm dating myself so much and yet it's not no, that long ago. OG food. <laughs> um, but there were all these like, you know, just different like co- content communities. And I mean, I'll be completely honest. Like I hadn't used a computer. Like it wasn't even part, like I really had to like teach myself absolutely everything. Um, so you know, it wasn't, you know, just wasn't part of it. So it just like, I mean, it was really natural. Like I didn't go in for advertising or there was nothing financial for me. It was all like pure pleasure, just like connection to, to other, you know, to other moms and like hearing their stories. Did you have a job, like a full-time job when you were simultaneously doing this as well? Yeah. So at this point I didn't, once I started, we I mean, look, when I started modeling, because I started so young, my father told me, look, you can either, you know, you can go to college or you can start modeling. You know, if you model, it's, it's a job and you should save every penny so that someday you don't have to. So I had the, like, at that point, you know, I had saved and I was now married. So when I had Kenya, you know, for the first two years, I didn't, you know, necessarily like need to 
have an income. But all of a sudden, I realized very early on, I was a full-time mother and I was working like 40, 50 hour weeks on Weelicious and not monetizing at all. And I was like, man, this isn't really adding up. And when that light bulb went off, that's when like my my train started going and like, I'm going to write a book and I'm going to do this and that and I'm going to turn this into a business. What was your first form of monetization? Like, was it brand partnerships or was it your book? It was ad sales on Weelicious on the blog and then brand partnerships. And brand partnerships are actually really interesting because, you know, at that time, brands were even like bloggers with like a whole, like they didn't understand it. So there was almost like reverse education. And like I used to, I would be working with a bunch of brands and I would have to beg them, beg them when Instagram came out that like, please, like we, like, let's do something on Instagram. They were like, yeah, I don't get it. So it's been interesting to watch, you know, and see what really resonates with audiences. And now today, I always am pretty firm about the fact that like, please let me be authentic. I understand, you know, if you're a brand and you have your messaging, but it's important that if if we're going to like, you know, work together, then I'm able to have, you know, speak my authentic truth. Do you still manage all of your brand partnerships yourself or do you have a team that helps you? I, I have a team now. And I've had the team for a bunch of years, but I mean, at the end of the day, like I'm the say, I'm the content creator, like everything, but it's just, um, yeah. It's you. I mean, it's definitely, I guess it's your second baby, but like, Um, so when you first had started, was it primarily like baby food or kid food? Like how old was Kenya when you had like created this? Cause I mean, Ezra started eating around five, five months actually is when he started eating food. So Kenya was six months old. Weelicious primarily started as homemade baby food because the whole reason that I started was I was a new mom. I didn't know what to feed him. I didn't know when to feed him, how to feed him, like all of this. And I was looking for different books and websites and there was so little information that I wanted to find a place like it just really was about like for me, I've always shopped at the Hollywood farmers market, like for I mean, since I've lived in Los Angeles every Sunday. And I wanted it to be a place where you could, you know, the parents didn't feel like they had to from day one give mac and cheese and, you know, just like simple food. I wanted, you know, the psychology and we licious to this day, although it is a site about recipes and video content, it really at the core is how to make kids great eaters from day one and how to make cooking easy for parents and the psychology of creating a family unit where food is in front of them, but connection is the ultimate reason they're together. I mean, eat, sitting down at the dinner table, so I was brought up like me, my parents, and my brother, we all sat together for dinner every single night. That was when we talked about our day. That's when my mom asked us questions about school. It's my, my brother and I would catch up because we were never in the same school at the same time. And even now, I mean, Ezra is only almost 17 months old and a little bit more chaotic just because he's not like really feed. He feeds himself, but like he also feeds the floor. And <laughs> we're all, <laughs> we're always all sitting together. And I always wanted to like instill as young as I could, like age-wise, that like we all eat dinner together. And it's like a community like feeling. It's like we're socializing with one another. Now, when it comes to introducing foods and like solids and like everything to your baby, like what is your approach? Like what advice and tips and what recommendations do you have for moms and dads that they have a five, six month old and they want to start giving their kids food? Well, you know, it's funny because I started Weelicious and it was all baby food when I had Kenya and then I had Chloe. And because I was a second time mom and like losing my mind, it was like, of course, some baby food. But then I was like, sister, you're about to eat what we're eating because I I just, I got to get food in you. And then by the time I had Gemma, which was many years later, it was 
again, like I, I, while baby food seemed really like a great way to introduce, and especially at those early stages, I just had to just get food into her. And she had um, terrible allergies. So from day one, we called her kitty scratch. She would scratch her skin off till it was like bleeding. And this is like third kid, first two kids, no allergies, which is sort of still, you know, very fascinating to me. So I had to cut everything out of my diet. And she started eating food so late because we didn't know what we really could give her. Like we gave her egg as one of her first few foods and she projectile vomited everywhere. So we got, you know, we pulled it back. And what ended up happening was that we had started the smoothie project um, because my son at that time was eight and he was getting headaches and nausea and really, really sick. And we were seeing doctors and nutritionists couldn't figure out what was going on with him. And it turned out that I read this book called Cure Your Kids with Food. And it had this one line about smoothies. So I made this sheet with fruits and vegetables and proteins and handed it to him. And I'm like, you can pick out any smoothie that you want. And we made a smoothie and he loved it. We did the same sheet the next day. He picked it out, what he wanted. He drank it, loved it. And within three weeks, all of his symptoms have gone away. And five years later, like he still has a smoothie every day. Cut two, we were having smoothies as a family of four. Gemma was then 10 months old on my hip, you know, at the breakfast table. And she um, would like start bobbing her head trying to get to my straw. So we'd prop her on the counter and she would like down 10 ounces of smoothie. And we were like, holy, it was like, crazy. And so that's how like, you know, really the smoothie project really got going. And when I realized kind of back to your original question that babies don't need to eat just baby food. I mean, they they really can like a, a smoothie, for example, like the ones we have are, you know, anywhere from eight to 15 ingredients. And, you know, she still has a smoothie every day and like just totally thrives. Well, that's like one of the things not to like, shame or like say anything negative towards moms that give their kids like baby food and like the pasta. Oh yeah. Like yeah. Never did that for Ezra. Like I when people always say, what was your approach to feeding? I his first food was avocado and it wasn't even pureed or mashed. It was literally chunks of avocado. And from there it was like pieces of banana and like sure he had mashed sweet potato, but I always wanted to try and and I'm by no means a professional. I have no idea what I'm doing. But I always try to like (laughs) give him what he has, whatever he's, whatever we're eating, he's eating. I made like a homemade uh, cauliflower pizza crust a couple days ago and he's been having that for dinner and like he's eating. I just, I don't know how long that'll last, but like, as long as it does, like I want everyone to try and eat at least the same genre of food to make it a lot easier. What were your daughter's allergies? So she originally eggs was high and dairy. Dairy is still, so she's totally dairy free. I mean, she loves chocolate more than any kid I know. So she finds chocolate. She's like in her mouth. She was hospitalized twice last year because her allergy, like when you have like a dairy allergy, like you can also have, it's like asthma. So they're allergies of the skin and, you know, inside. So she just becomes very, like when she has dairy or a lot of dairy, it's just like not good for her system. So having said that, she's not going to go into anaphylactic shock, like if you have a peanut, but we just have to be very conscious. And she knows like, it's so no big deal in our family. And she like totally has owned it since she was like two and a half, three years old. She's always said it. And there's like these days, it's incredible. Like you, like creature of all of it. There's so many substitutions for all of the foods that, you know, she loves. You got to get her some Hugh Kitchen chocolate. Oh my God. She loves, we buy huge kitchen chocolate as if it's like. (laughs) 
totally going out of style. What we go flavors? through a lot of ours. What are your favorite flavors? We love the dark chocolate. Um, and I was going to say, do you know Honey Mamas? I like Honey Mamas too. It's like a little yeah. fluffier than like yeah, it's, You know what I mean? It doesn't true. have a crunch. True. So we have both of them. Um, but like the, any dark chocolate, like a, the smoky chocolate, like anything, anything. We just like buy them by the bars. Did you ever experience with your kids with eating that they like reject foods or like if you make something for dinner and then they're just like not interested in eating it? Like, what do you like? Are you the type where you make something new or like kind of sucks to suck? Like you need to eat this or you're not eating or what is your vibe with that? Because I'm sorry, I selfishly want to know kind of what do I do when Ezra like rejects having scrambled eggs? Yeah. um, So I think it's, you know, your child more than anyone. I think every child is very different. I have a few different, like, especially when they're younger. I think that the one thing that a lot of parents just don't remember is that as adults, we are fully conscious of like when we have to go to the bathroom and like our systems with little kids, you know, like I give my poor child, I'm like outing, but Gemma, since she was like, one and a half, two years old, literally at like five, five thirty, she's like, has to poo. And you know, it's dinner time. And you know, so she's not hungry. That went on for a long time where she just wasn't hungry because she was like trying to like work her system. And then she'd be like, Oh, I have to go to the bathroom. So I think like, know your child. Cause I think that especially if they get older, you know, when they're baloneying a little bit and when they really don't like things like Kenya, as an example, you know, I've always fed, you know, everything, meat, salmon, fish, like he would really only wanted to eat ground meat and salmon until he was five. And one day he was like, I'm a vegetarian. The day he found out that vegetarianism was a thing. So he has not had any animal products since he was five years old. Is that um, anyone else in your family a vegetarian? No, my, my, my 11 year old daughter, like I made pork shoulder in the slow cooker yesterday and she was like, meat. <laughs> so uh, we had him genetically tested. He comes up as, um, 87 percentile predisposition to vegetarianism. You can um, for that? Yeah. That is so cool. Yeah. So that, I mean, that was something we learned later and we were like, of course. So does that have to um, do with blood type then? Yeah, I think it has to do with blood time, but it's we did it through uh, 23andMe. My husband did it. 23andMe or what is the other one? Um, the, it, we sent away for it. This, yeah. We did the swabs and sent away for it. And it sends you, like, you know, it's both parent. I know it's incredible. So we have, like, you know, again, with kids, little kids, I think you know your child. And I think it's really important to keep trying and try foods in different forms. Like, I mean, I remember two of my my two older ones when peas, like they were like, I don't want peas. I don't want peas. And I made pea popsicles. Like I call them pea pops and they're literally water with frozen peas, but they would like down four or five of them like that. <laughs> That's amazing. Like for, as I put everything in like a quesadilla with like the siete tortillas, like I could put broccoli in there, the scrambled eggs, like arugula, hummus, like kill, eat it. But if I handed him a piece of broccoli, he, I mean, I, I don't like broccoli either, so I can't blame him, but if it's snuck, yeah, I don't really like that many vegetables. I know. <laughs> oh, the truth comes out. I no. love this. <laughs> no, yeah, vegetables are just not my thing. Like, I try and have a big bowl of like greens in some capacity, like one way or another every day, but I'm not just like eating a pepper, like, or like snacking on a cucumber. That's just not. So then, where did that come from? Oh my gosh. Um, no, I'm interviewing you. <laughs> when I was younger, I was a really bad eater. Like I wanted like pizza bagels, mozzarella sticks, chicken nuggets. And then when I got older, and that's why in my cookbook, there's a whole chapter that like 
makes vegetables taste good. So it's like, right. I read that cinnamon, coconut, like sweet potato fries and, you know, just like a Brussels sprout slaw, like ways to like make vegetables taste good. And I think once I discovered those ways, it made me actually like adjust to the flavor. So now I can eat like crispy Brussels sprouts and I really like them, but no, I didn't, I didn't like them. I bet you like, obviously a smoothie is an easy way for moms to like put nutrients into it. So actually, so let's talk about the smoothie project a little bit more. So the smoothie smoothie project is also your third cookbook, which is crazy. So I don't know. And now that I just have one book, I don't know how you did three books and had like the motivation to, to do, um, to do them. Well, first talk a little bit about your first two books and kind of how that process was also what it was like getting a book deal. That's one of the most commonly asked questions from people. They want to know what they can do to kind of get a, a book deal and what your experience was like. I'll give you all my dirty secrets. Okay. So here, here you go. So like I said earlier, it was very do or die for me at Weelicious because I was working round the clock. I was exhausted. And, you know, my parents were actually, it always goes back to my parents because they're great parents. And they said to me, you know, what would make a difference? And the one thing that I had experience in was like TV and like kind of press. Like I was used to that from earlier years. And so I ended up hiring a publicist. And having said that, take it back. I had wanted a cookbook. I've been collecting cookbooks since I was nine years old. And for me, having a cookbook was it. That is, that was like my life goal. Um, so I had started working on a proposal. I had asked a few different friends to see their proposals. And that, by the way, that was hard enough, like trying to figure that out. But my proposal was a hundred pages. It had, you know, comps. I mean, it had images, it had recipes. It, I had basically written the book. So my greatest advice is if you want a book deal and you really want to show a publisher like what you can do, what it's all about, basically, I mean, spend a ton of time and have it so visual, so like, and make it unique, make it small. Like, or, or I should say like the, you know, the focus narrow because th- it helps um, when things are too general, unless you have a very specific platform. So what I was going to say was that I had started doing a lot of PR and I had the book. And so I like in one day I did like the Today Show and GMA and I went to see all these publishers and that's and how I ended up with a two book deal. So, you know, I so my point being is that like, however you can you know, either get your Instagram numbers up or like get yourself, you know, some PR, like reach out to any friends. I mean, the best advice ever given to me is like, don't be shy, ask everyone. And that's why whenever people message me and they're like, can you help me with this? I'm always like, sure. I mean, nine out of 10 times, I'll always help someone because I do feel like you have to ask to get. And that's a little of my advice. No, a hundred percent. Did you? And I love that because, you know, I wouldn't have started my account if it wasn't for getting advice from other people and like asking like that's that's the best part of this community because you know this was the wild wild west and sometimes it still feels that way but it's nice to like be able to lean on each other and that's with all aspects of this whether it's like what a brand is compensating you or like just anything just to have like that transparency and always give advice. Did you have the same publisher for all three of your books or just the first two were with one and then the third? Exactly. So back to your point about like writing three books, like I wrote the first two within two and a half, three years. And I was like, that's it. It's because you think I'm sure you obviously know this, you write a book and you're like, okay, I'm done. But you don't realize that you have the next like four, five, six months of edits ahead of you. And it's like, you know, it's like editing a movie. You're just like, it's just it never really ends. So I took a major break. I always said I would never write another book. And I, I swore, I was like, never writing another book. So it's like, just, it's a very challenging process. 
And then everything started with the smoothie project. And I saw how smoothies were changing all of our health. My mother-in-law hates vegetables. I got her to start having like cauliflower and broccoli and all these things in her smoothie. And she was like, oh my God, I don't even taste it. I love this. Um, I had a friend with cancer who was having smoothies through her chemo. Uh, So anyway, like I realized that like food is medicine and I started to um, really connect the dots about how, you know, like I needed to make this book because I wanted a place that felt like a Bible so that people, when they go to Whole Foods or their health food store and they're looking at all the smoothie ingredients, they're like, what is all this? How is it good for my body? How do I even use it? And to put it in sort of like a comprehensive guide. Well, and it's also just, it's intimidating to know kind of, the measurements and the portions of like how much to do of this. And is it, it might look brown. Is it going to taste good? And it's nice to like have that all like said and done for you for sure. Yeah. Do you think that that was your last book or do you think you would be? <laughs> never, never say never. I don't know. It does be, cause I think, you know, when you're a creator, like you're a creator, Rachel, like your, your mind is probably when you go to the store, when you're at the market, when you're with Ezra, like your mind is constantly thinking of new ideas. And I'm like, even with the smoothie project, I'm like, oh, why didn't I add this recipe? Why didn't I add that? Why didn't? So I, you know, never say never. I know. That's what when people ask, I say, I honestly don't know. Cause I never yeah. thought that I'd write a cookbook in general. And then one day, one day I was sitting on the couch and the idea just came to me. I'm like, I think it's never. time to write a cookbook and that's how it happened. But like, you can't always prepare for everything in, yeah. in this case, for sure. Now let's talk a little bit about one potato. So you briefly told us about it earlier. Now kind of give a little intro on like what that is. One potato really began because Wheelish's families and followers kept saying like, I have the cookbooks, I have the blog, just send me the food, like make my life easy. And we realized there were so many like two working parents. Um, There were other meal companies, meal kit companies, there are, but none of them were focused on family, kids, things that foods that adults and kids like pricing. Like, so we're the only company that you can get for two adults and then one, two, three, four kids. All of the meals are very DIY. So everything, instead of it just being like, this is your meal and this is what you get, it would be like, it's like chicken burrito bowls, mushu chicken, um, tacos. Um, So like, even for myself, when I make like say turkey tacos and I have all the home, because we said everything homemade, nothing is from a can jar. It's all fresh and homemade. I make my son vegetarian meat and then we have turkey. So it's like, it really works for everyone. We send homemade cookie free cookie dough in every um, bag or box, depending on where you live. And we just introduced um, the frozen smoothie pack. So based on the smoothie project and people kept saying like, I want to make smoothies, but like, how do I, you know, if you could just send me everything, it'd be so much easier. So you just open your frozen smoothie pack. It's seven uh, recipes from the smoothie project cookbook. You add your liquid and voila, you have a smoothie. So, you know, it, it just really is about, you know, getting the food to the table and having one potato really be a resource um, for families it, because you can get two or three dinners, but you still have to cook another few days. So it's really a great time saver, especially like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, when you're like, I just, I can't think. I just need to know that there's something my family loves in the refrigerator and it's just going to make, it's going to take 12 to 30 minutes start to finish. Well, it's exactly like, even this morning I posted that I like made our dinner at like 9.30 this morning and it's like ready. Like it's just, I put it in the fridge and I put it in the scale, I put it in the oven and it's ready. And it's like, people want things that are ready in like less than 30 minutes and that they're easy 
and in front of them and as like feasible as possible. And like you're just saying, like, I don't want to make three, three different meals for me, Jordan and Ezra. That's, that's a lot. That's definitely a lot of work. Yeah. And you want it, you want it to be things that are healthy. I think that right now, especially like we are more focused on our health and using food in a healing way, whether that's emotional or just like physically that you want things that are fresh and, you know, because we really can't go out to restaurants that much, uh, or at all, depending on where you live. Um, so you want that still like experience of something that feels warm and nourishing and like an Instagrammable experience. Yeah. Now, when you wanted to start the company, what did you do? Like, what was your first move? Did you do this by yourself? Did you like hire a team? Did you have a partner? Like, how did that all work? Yeah. So I have a co-founder, Chris. Chris comes from 20 plus years of operational experience. Um, so we basically divide the company into what our, you know, our two strengths are. And it's uh, we, you know, we do absolutely everything ourselves. So, I mean, but we have an incredible team. I mean, our team is like our lifeline. And I just feel grateful because we're, we really are, um, you know, at One Potato, we really are a family. And, you know, we all have a common goal, which is, you know, getting families really high quality food. So when we're not within the middle of a pandemic, do you have an office that you commute to every day or are you guys all working together? So it depends what we're doing um, at the time, but we do have an office. um, And so I go into the office, you know, one, two days a week, but like, it's been super interesting during this time, but I realized I can do everything from my home and computer you know, our staff meetings, everything. It's not but Chris, my partner, he goes to the office six to seven days a week. So it just, wow. you know, it yeah. I mean, well we're a we're a sub, basically a seven day a week company. So it was the yeah. office where like all the packages, like everything's like put together too. Is that okay? So that e- makes sense. Everything. So everything's in downtown Los Angeles and it's a full, you know, facility. You know, we're getting food from farms every day. Um, so we're, you know, we're cooking pretty much seven days a week. But yeah, yeah. and then the office, yeah, some virtual and some in, in office. Are you do you create all the recipes? Yep. So I create all the recipes and then we have a chef who basically adjusts it because we are a company that we can send two to up to six people. So there's a lot of math that is involved in, you know, figuring out the amounts um, because every, every bag or box for people that live in Southern California, get a bag, the other eight States get a box. And so it's, you know, that we, we now we send homemade free cookie dough. We now have five flavors of cookie dough that you can buy plus the two or three meals and we send 13 meals a week. So the math that goes in and everyone is ordering something different. So there's, it's, it's pretty comprehensive. That's very, almost like how there's like food scientists and out there to like, make sure it's like, so calculated. That's way over, way over my head. I can't (laughs) make it nationwide. I want to try it. I know. I know. Soon, soon, soon. Yeah. We're launching the frozen smoothies national late this summer. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah. Did you guys take outside capital or did you self-fund the company? Like, how did that work for you? <laughs> oh, that's a whole... Um, so Are we Licious go into always... as you're comfortable with. Oh, no, no, no. It's fine. Um, we Licious has always been self-funded. One Potato was my first endeavor I had never raised before. So we did friends and family. We did... Actually, one of the best stories was we had an investor who messaged me on Instagram uh, DM'd me and said, we're getting one potato. We have a five-year-old. It's been like, it's changed our life. Do you take investment? 
And three days later, they wrote us a, you know, a sizable check. And this, that's the way that one potato has been. It's just like people that are so passionate about the company, you know, want to kind of like double down on it. So we are, um, we will be doing a series A probably in six, eight months, but we're, yeah, we're, you know, profitable and in a, in a really good place. That's so exciting. You guys are like, game. it's funny because I always say that the brands and the products that I think are really like going to make it are ones that are like so like here to stay and going to succeed are usually the ones that are the most basic and simple and like to the point, like there's no frills. It's just like, this is what you want to eat. And that's amazing. Like I, all the products that are like infused with this and that I'm like, this is just over my head. Like even smoothies yeah. have adaptogens and this and blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm just like, I, I don't know. I don't know. What I <laughs> but, I, but I will say like, I make it sound very, I mean, it has been a bear and a beast. I mean, having like going, it's full on, it is full on. And I would think like when you start a company, especially with a full physical product that you are responsible for, and like for us, we're a direct to consumer business, hopefully in retail next year, but it's, it's a lot. I mean, there's, there, there's always a fire to put out. There's always a laundry list of, of things to do. So I go to bed at night being like, wait a minute, like check, 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 check. That's what I was just going to say. How do you shut off? And so let alone when you're working from home right now with three kids, how are you working from home with three kids? <laughs> um, we have a pretty good rhythm now. Um, I, I Look, my older kids are totally like, sometimes I'm like, hey, does anyone want to hang out? I mean, they're 11 and 13. <laughs> I'm like, what about me? Um, because they're so much fun. They're at this like awesome age where they're just like fun. They're like two little adults. And then we have the four-year-old and the four-year-old that's like, you know, it's much more constant entertainment and we don't have any help. So, you know, even on the weekends, I'm like, want to relax. I'm like, oh, we can clean the house now. God. And so there's, um, but we, you know, we involve that like in all of it. And like, luckily I have, you know, two family businesses. So there, I mean, like even Chloe, my 11 year old shoots my IG lives. So she, yeah, no, she asked the question. Like she, she runs the camera better than, than my husband. Oh my gosh. I love that. But do you like say like mommy's going into her office? Like, don't like leave me alone for the next like hour. Like, do you have any tips for moms that are working from home right now with no help? I posted on Instagram yesterday. It's at Wheelicious. And I posted a, a picture of a sign that I had made. And it's a little bit harder with Ezra's age, but it's like red light, green light. And so I use that. Um, we have a pom-pom system. So there's a, I bought a big bag of pom-poms and a glass jar. And Gemma gets like when she listens or does something really positive and like something to fill someone's bucket, she gets a pom-pom. But if she does something negative, the pom-pom goes. And then she has decided she wants to have a cake party once her pom-pom jar is all filled up. I will be so. there, Gemma. That sounds delicious. <laughs> so how do you shut off though at night, like to be fully present with your family? Like when it's dinner time, are you done at 5.30 or whatever time you eat dinner? Like, are you done for the rest of the night or do you put your kids to sleep and log back on? Like, how do you, how do you work? Yeah, it's pretty full on. I mean, I get up before everyone and then I spend time with my kids and then I go to work. And right now my husband are ta and I are tag teaming work a little bit, you know, trying to come up with creative projects for Gemma. And then, yeah, usually, you know, it's, it's, I work, you know, dinner and then I, I almost always go back. Um, I, I am that person that like a busy inbox pains me. 
Like, so if, if my inbox is full, it's like gives me anxiety. So I try to like clear it out as much as possible, but I'm, I'm pretty scheduled to, you know, pretty much. No, I, I can't go to sleep with like unread emails. Like even if it's like, I realized or not really just like, um, probably six months ago that you could reschedule your Gmail emails. Yeah. Earth I like that. It's oh, I like that. Like, if I, cause I don't, sometimes I don't need a constant communication, but like, I almost like responding immediately so that I just kind of get it off of my like to-do list. Like my management team are the only people I respond to within 30 seconds. Cause I like, yeah, I type in all lowercase. I'm like, I don't really care if there's typos. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but for anyone else, I'm like, so, you know, I try to make sure there's no typos and I schedule it. So it's not just like a constant communication. It's so funny because I'm different. I'm I'm like people will say to me, God, you email back fast. Cause I'm just like in my box, I want it, I'll give you an answer and I want it back out. I try. You know what? It's all like I think we're all doing our best. And I think that even at this time, like the uh this the minutiae has like gone by the wayside. And I feel like so it's really only the important things that I feel like I have to focus on. And, and like team-wise, we have just like hungered down. And whereas like, I feel like, like we've gotten tighter than ever. Like I spend more time on customer service than anything because I feel like if our families are happy, like I treat one potato like a restaurant, like it's 50% the food and 50% the customer experience. So like, I just want, you know, people to like feel happy and you know excited. Well, for especially a product like that, like the retention of the customers is like so key because you want them to keep back like every single week. But even like, I would say even through Weelicious, I don't think, I don't know how you disagree, but like everything through, you know, Black Lives Matter right now and it being, I think the temperature of everything is so intense, so shaky. Like we're all like second guessing ourselves and wanting to be authentic, vulnerable, listening. It's so, I think this is a really interesting time to be, you know, running a business at any level. Yeah, no, this is, it's not an easy time to have a business that you're running and you make big, like key decisions for it. Like I'm a little business here. Like I, it's just me and myself and me and my closet and like, <laughs> it, 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 it's a hard time. And, you know, I think just, I've learned just admitting like when I've effed up and when I've made mistakes and that's really all that you can do. Now I have like five fun questions that I ask the uh, guests at the end of every episode. The first one is what is one wellnessy trend that you buy into? One wellnessy trend that I buy into trend. Mm-hmm. Mm, I mean, I would say almost off of what you said earlier that you made a cauliflower crust pizza. So like my friend founded Cauliflower. I think getting vegetables into fun foods is a good trend that I buy into. I like that. Cauliflower is very good. I really like their mm-hmm. crust. Mm-hmm. What is one wellnessy trend that is like a pet peeve that drives you crazy when you see people post about it or talk about it or... Well, the word natural drives me crazy. Like when when brands choose to slap the word natural on something and you look in and there's like GMOs. And uh, so I think that false branding to confuse the consumer really irritates me. No, it's so true. It's such a loaded term. Like you have no idea what it means. And same thing with like natural flavors. You don't know what the natural flavors are in something. Like I always ask the brand, I'm like, can you just like explain what these are to me so that I can? And if some brands can tell you the breakdown of it. Other brands can't. So I'm like, mm, that's when you know something's a mm. little... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you hadn't had these careers in the past, what career path would you have wanted to do? Like what's one thing that you like excites you still that, that you haven't uh, done? 
Well, I mean, I always wanted to be a serious journalist. I think that, you know, like a, I mean, when I was a kid, it was like Jane Polly, Diane Sawyer. I mean, I very much look up to those women. Um, so that was it. And it, I don't, I, I, it's going to be something to do with travel. I don't know what that's going to be like, but I basically live to travel and live to travel one-on-one with my kids. So I'm missing that this summer, but maybe something to travel. I'll have to figure that part out. Soon. We'll be able to travel soon. I promise. I hope yes. at least. Yes. When you were growing up, what was your go-to fast food chain and what was your favorite order? <laughs> oh my God. This is so, well, K- Kentucky fried chicken. Um, their biscuits like next level, but this is a tricky one because like then I want a Wendy's, uh, frosty. I want, um, McDonald's nuggets. I mean, I grew up super yin yang. It was like, fast food, that barbecue sauce from McDonald's. And then it was like fresh food off the vine with my grandparents. So, you know, yeah, but oh, I, I fast food. I, I haven't had it in 20 years, but like I can still taste it in my mouth. Same. I told Jordan that one day before we're like, a hundred and, and, and I were going to have to go to like McDonald's and just get like last meal together. <laughs> I walk by it on like the main street in Hoboken and I'm like, Oh man, that smells really good. Really <laughs> does. Totally, totally. Um, oh. Now, your last day on Earth. What are you eating from breakfast through the end of the day? I'm still gonna have a smoothie. I just don't even know if I could like. I would just have like a massive cold, almost nice creamy smoothie for breakfast. For lunch, I'm gonna have a pickled grilled cheese. Uh, like I put it in the waffle iron. I love it, crusty, cheesy sa- pickles, tons of acid. And for dinner, I'm gonna have. <laughs> oh no, this is terrible. I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> stuff. I'm gonna stuff a chicken in an air fryer, and definitely like duck fat um, potatoes, like crispy duck fat fry kind of potatoes. And just some ridiculous chocolate, gooey, pato creamy, whipped creamy dessert, or maybe a baked Alaska. I don't know. One of those. You have been the most descriptive of like describing the food. You are such a chef. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> oh, oh, I'm hungry thinking about <laughs> that. <laughs> so good. I used to having um, a bacon grilled cheese, and now oh. I actually do it with bacon, pickles, and cheese. Pickles are like the secret. People don't know this. This is like a crunchy pickle and a grilled cheese, either in a panini press or a waffle iron is like spot on. That sounds amazing. And definitely, I mean, I love pickles all the time, but like next time I'm pregnant too, that sounds like a dream meal of pregnancy. (laughs) (laughs) Either way we want to look at it. (laughs) Next time we're going to come up with like, what were your pre-pregnancy cravings? What were you, I I love hearing people's pregnancy cravings. I think that's your pregnancy craving. Oh, with Chloe, it was like salty stir fried vegetables. No idea. Um, it was so random. And what was it with Kenya? Now I can't even remember. I can't even remember. And Gemma, I was too busy. I was like kids, so I was just like getting just getting food in my body. I was so nauseous with the girls. But Kenya ate everything. Mm-hmm. I never had a pregnancy craving. What? Yeah. One day I craved Captain Crunch. <laughs> I didn't get it though. I was like, oh, that uh, Kenya was um, cereal. Cereal with milk, but it was like bran buds, which I don't know. Maybe I was just like, I don't know. Uh, we don't even say. But yeah, cereal. Oh, 
Catherine, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us. Tell everyone where they can find you and I will link to everything to you over in the show notes. It's wheelicious.com, onepotato.com, and at wheelicious on all social media. Yay, thank you so much. And I cannot wait for everyone to listen to this. We'll talk soon. Thank you.